This is Carol Hoxbergen, founder of Hoxie's Native Seeds, and I'm very proud to be the sponsor of the Prairie Farm Podcast. Coffee Time Wednesdays with uh, the Prairie Farm Podcast. Can't hit us with the jingle. Welcome back to the Prairie Farm Podcast, Coffee Time Wednesday. Your favorite host, Nicholas Lira, your favorite co-host, Kent Boucher, and we have quite a crew with us today. Yeah. We've got not only my dad, but we've got three of his rascal friends from back in the day. We've got Paul Vandekieft, Gary Vandermolen, and Corny Van Walbeek. And I don't know if they actually want me saying their names on here, depending on where the topics go. We'll see how that goes, but... We thought it'd be cool to ask them one, one question each. And here's our question. So, guys, I hope you're thinking about this. But what is the biggest thing that has changed since you were a kid in agriculture? That you're, you're probably the most familiar to be on the podcast. You want to go first, Dad? Sure, Nicholas. Uh, when I was a kid, I guess there were a lot of lot of farmers up and down the road here. They were close, and they would help each other out, and actually work together as a group on projects of harvesting, you know, whether it was ear corn or or shelled corn and and the neighbors would share equipment and but nowadays, you know, everybody's big and everybody's kinda on their own and yeah, we don't have that sharing of uh work anymore or sharing of equipment like they used to. So things have changed a lot and Nobody has livestock anymore. If they do, it's all in confinements, and and it's and if you go up and down the road, it's just corn, soybeans, corn, soybeans, and no more corn, alfalfa, no more corn, oats, alfalfa, beans, and that kind of a rotation. So it's all like two crops, corn, beans. So that's one of the biggest things I've noticed, and and uh, I don't know whether it's good or bad, but. I don't think it's I don't think it's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you said you said uh there were a lot of farmers and uh I think I think uh that's probably changed too, right? Yeah, there's a lot less farmers now and you know, you can go up and down the road and and there used to be a farmer on every house and well, now you have to go down maybe half a dozen houses, you know, before you find another farmer that actually farms and in between there the old farmsteads or just rental properties or acreages where people live in town and and that's kind of the difference now in the in the neighborhood and, he, and i really don't know my neighbors you know and they're you know like you used to know all your neighbors mm. and now you got people working in town living on acreage and you, you just the closeness is not there as a family neighborhood anymore mm-hmm. yeah yeah, I often I often wonder about that aspect, you know, because that has been that has been my entire adult life has been living in communities where yeah, you're cordial and you're friendly when you see each other, but you don't really seek each other out that much. That that side of it's gone and I imagine a lot of that came from communities born out of, you know, that farming relationship with your neighbors. Hmm. Well, that was a pretty good answer, Gary. I, are you gonna yeah. be able to? You gonna be able to follow that up? Well, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna hit the good side of it. I remember back as a kid, a lot of up and down the hillside, uh, 
row crop farming with a lot of erosion going on. And um, uh, the first couple jobs, well, during school, uh, was working for the Soil Conservation Service where we did a lot of layout of terraces, waterways, and, and dams oh, for, cool. for ponds for, for soil conservation sur- uh, purposes. But I'm seeing a lot more soil conservation now than, yeah. you know, traveling up and down the roads than I used to. I think I think everybody's realized what's getting washed down the streams uh, when 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 erosion happens and and um, d- d- more ground cover and more contour farming and, and more terraces and waterways and such. Um People value, I believe, the the value of the topsoil. I'm, I live in Tennessee now, where we've got just a couple inches of topsoil on top of rock, yeah, you know, and, yeah. and 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 I really miss the black dirt of Iowa. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, ground cover is so key, and and the and the farming techniques are, are are really key for that for that conservation. Yeah, that's a that's I a great that. answer. Yeah, very positive. Yeah. Um, Carol, were any of these guys, were you hanging out with any of these guys when you started no-till farming? You're one of the earliest guys in the area to adopt no-till practice. Oh, I, I was thinking I was hanging out with him. I don't know. I think Gary was off to uh, Waterloo working for John Deere then. So I started no-till on back in the late 70s, early 80s. And I know I was hanging around with Corny Benwalbeek here and Paul. Nobody know where Paul was in the mid '80s, early '80s. <laughs> <laughs> but he 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 knows about the no-till experience I've had here. So yeah, these guys were all good supports for me. Yeah, and a deer that I mean that was the big transition from you know moldboard plows, yeah, and 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 cultivators and and things right. like that to to more so when no-till I started equipment. no-till soybeans, you know, that was kind of a very radical thing to do in the early '80s, and uh, and now it's a very well accepted concept of, yeah. of farming. So a lot of our yeah. acres, like you were saying, are under conservation, no-tilling, and that kind of thing. What really helped that go is some of, you know, the tech into the breeding of the soybeans to resist some of the, you know, like roundups, stuff like that. Made no-till work a lot easier than the early days of Mm. no-tilling when we had to rely on post-emergence and we didn't have a one herbicide program for everything that would take out things, which has got us in trouble too with Mm -hmm. weed resistance to to round up or glyphosate yeah for for the year after year use of the same product Mm -hmm. weeds have got immune system to it so yeah but you know what they don't get immune to the old strong hoe that's right pull them right on out my goodness (laughs) all right who's who's next Who's next? Paul's next. Paul, Paul had a comment, I think, here. Yeah, I wanted to talk about the no-till. I'll Paul, never, you got to be closer to the mic. Yeah, I'll yeah, never yeah. forget coming out here, and uh, it was a hot, dry summer, and Carol was pulling corn stalks out, and there were earthworms all around the roots that were in the ground yet. And I remember I was just so impressed with how healthy everything looked. Hmm. It, it looks... It didn't look good with all the stuff on, but then when you pull it out and see what's underground, it was pretty impressive. Right. That's so. that's an awesome story there. A little anecdote. Cool. Hmm. Thank you, Paul. 
Earth. I knew you were a good supporter. I, <laughs> yeah. I didn't remember when the, what year that was, but that would be in the mid-80s, I would think. 83, probably. <laughs> 83. Ken, remind us later. we got to get someone on about, about earthworms. Yeah, I, I keep yeah they have an interesting, there's an interesting story behind earthworms. Huh. All right, all right, who's next? Paul, you were you were just there. What? Where where'd you take off to? We're having to rotate mics, guys. We don't we don't have enough mics, so they're they're getting okay. their exercise. Well, um, I actually grew up on a farm by Monroe, and my school bus went through the town of Red Rock through third grade. So I have seen some changes over the years. One of the things I've noticed the most is when I was younger, we never had deer on our farm or turkeys, but we mm. had. 100 150 quail when you'd go walking through the timber it was nothing to scare up a covey of a couple three dozen quail wow. here and there you never see quail now and there are deer and turkey everywhere the fence rows that were there are all gone and just the entire landscape has changed a lot and once again the houses I went by our old farmhouse. The only thing left is the house, the barn, the corn crib, machine shed. Everything is gone but the house. Mm. And you go down the road and the house that was there is gone. We went by Gary's old house. There was no sign of it. It was a bean field. Um, all the old farmsteads are gone and the fence rows are cleared out. And... Things have changed a lot when it comes to wildlife. Yeah, yeah, that's a real interesting perspective on the wildlife. I've, I've kind of chased that question down, you know, asking. Uh, it, it's hard to find people who paid attention to that, you know, so closely. Um, I've gotten most of my perspective on it from from Carol because Carol keeps an eye on that stuff. But uh, what when do you remember? Because deer and turkey have an interesting history in our state. They're native. They're both native to our state, as are quail. Um, but we went a long time without uh, both of those species in abundance. And do you remember what year you would have been starting to see deer on a regular basis? It was probably more like the early '80s, I'm guessing, when I started seeing more deer. Okay. And turkeys were later than that even. I live near Red Rock, Lake Red Rock now, and deer and turkey are everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's real interesting to hear that. Yeah, great. I'm glad we have that wildlife perspective in there. That's great. All right. All right, we got we got the man himself, one of our biggest fans, Corny. Actually, uh, fun fact about Corny, uh, sometimes... Uh, I might have to cut this out, Corny. You let me know. Uh, we call him Einstein. Because he's, he's just got the coolest hair you've ever seen in your life. Okay. And Paul wants me to point out that he, he does not, not have Paul, the Gary, hair. Not Paul, Gary. Gary, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Gary's, Gary's lost the hair, but that's all right. That's all right. What? Uh, Jeff Bezos. He's bald. He's done a, He's done some cool things for the world. So, <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm pretty blessed to have hair yet. When there's a lot of people that my age that don't have hair, yeah. and uh, I retired from a professional world here about three years ago, and uh, 
and uh, I haven't had a haircut since then. That's just one of my uh, <laughs> that's awesome. bucket that's list things to do here. Yeah. Is my hair grows. Uh, it's about three and a half years since a haircut. Hasn't and, mowed his lawn, hasn't gone to work, and uh, hasn't cut his hair. Yeah, just no. Uh, <laughs> Just uh, and people don't recognize. Well, they still recognize me yet. So, uh, you talk about uh, the, what I've seen changed, and uh, the thing that comes to my mind immediately was the growing up. There was a lot of diversity on the farm. Mm. You know, and where, where I grew up, when I on our farm we had chickens, we had hogs, we had um, cows, milk cow, milk cows, and. Uh, um, and, and, and you know we use that some of that for our own food too so we have big gardens and uh, and a small farm and there's a lot of small farms as mm. was mentioned earlier so how too. big a farm did you were raised on your well, dad was a very small farmer wasn't he i With think there's uh, 289 acres something like that so this is it was a smaller farm but hmm. and uh, i like what you said the the big garden small farm that i like that a lot yeah so you know when you went to the grocery stores, pretty much for flour and sugar, and that was about it. You know? I was going to ask you that. Yeah, what what'd you guys buy? What all did you guys buy from the grocery yeah, store? That's about reason? it. We had meat from the from the livestock and uh, milk out of the barn and uh, from the cows, milk cows and uh, and chickens and eggs and and uh, I, once in a while, my brother and I, you know, we'd have to gather the eggs, and sometimes we lost half of our production because we got into an <laughs> egg fight in the chicken oh, house but, no. uh, and, uh, and uh, then there's a little discussion with the parents afterwards about that yeah but uh you know and and the eggs was was grocery money which is yeah. there was grocery money at that time and uh everything was uh from you know you had corn you had beans and hay and and uh, you kind of rotate some of that around at that time. Talked about terraces. You know, you develop some terraces uh, on the hill grounds. And, um, and uh, there wasn't a whole lot of chemicals used earlier on. It was pretty much labor intense. You know, cultivators, you know, you, mm-hmm. you, you went over that field many, many times. So. And, and today mm-hmm. it's uh, kind of a, a one shot across the field and uh, – got everything planted yeah. and then you you spray for chemical with chemicals and and uh to get the weeds out you don't pull weeds in the out of the bean fields anymore you don't hire a bunch of kids yeah to do yeah. that and uh does and your family still raise uh livestock i have one brother raises cattle cattle and uh and i have a nephew that raises some cattle too but that's pretty much it nowadays man just, and, mm. and your dad's age so you're what 68 ish I'm 70. 70, man. And and so that wasn't that long ago. Like, yeah. I think people well, imagine what you the, were saying, like, in 1870, but you, you're talking like... This is in uh, in the 60s. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, farmers did help each other. Um, sometimes I know with, in our family, you didn't want to get caught too much helping each other because there's always paybacks, and then you weren't paying attention to your own farm. So Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. I had a mother that kind of kept on my on dad about that. You know, don't get too too stretched out that way you got your own farm to take care of not everybody else's farms but uh um that 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 was uh i think the biggest change between then and and, and now today there's a lot more acres i mean you know between my two brothers they i think they probably got a couple thousand acres that they farm and and it takes one week to put the corn in and one week to put the beans in and the same thing with uh harvesting mm. man the, this yep. anecdotal um conversation is is really cool because kent and i talk a lot about this stuff but we didn't see it you know what i mean yeah so it's cool to see 
or to yeah. hear what you guys saw back then. You know, what I was thinking there, Corny, when you're talking is imagine the money saved by your family. Of course, there's expense for feeding livestock and vet bills and stuff like that. And But if, if you could, you know, let's say you race 80, 75, 80% of your grocery bill for each year, you know, people could get by on what, you know, a lot, a lot less if they could provide all their own food, you know, you wouldn't have to have all these situations where both parents have to, you know, work full time and kids, the only option to survive is to send kids to daycare and, you know, all that, all that stuff. And not that that stuff's wrong, but I know a lot of people do that and they don't, they wish they had another option. And that was the other option, you know, was that that self-sustaining way of, of having a farm that, that met your needs. Well, you knew what's coming out of the garden. You knew what went into the garden and what's coming back out. Mm-hmm. That's what goes in your your body, you know. So, that's right. Yeah, which which is a lot right. different than today. You don't. There's all the preservatives that are in. <laughs> We're just trusting, you know. Well, yeah, and and there's there's a lot of discussions about that too amongst the communities oh, yeah. about that. You know, uh, you're talking about Carol with no-till, and we I think we've had some conversations about that in the past when he's talking about his no-till and. And uh, in my early days after high school, I got introduced to some organic farming. Okay, yeah. And, uh, and organic foods. And this is back in the early 70s. And this is out in the East Coast. And, uh, and I, then Carol starts talking about no-tilling and then chemicals. And I think we've had some discussions about chemicals and not chemicals. And, uh, and, yeah, right. Uh, and Probably I, have. And, uh, you know... I think organic's a good way to go, but you know some of our erodible soils is not capable of handling that kind of cultivation of the soil mm-hmm. due to the you know the slopes of the soil and the erosion. And uh, so I was you know pretty firm on trying to save the soil. Yep. And so that's kind of way I was going that route and. And it also allowed me to farm more acres with less equipment. Yeah. And yeah, that's a good and point. It did, I did spend more time on the sprayer too. Yeah. So. Now these are just philosophical conversations no, we had yeah, in the evenings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> out on your farm and yeah. we're out riding around in the country and things that were on our mind back yeah, then. Yeah, that was what we're talking. Our concerns about. and. And here we are again today. <laughs> looking, <laughs> looking at the prairie grass. I'm pretty fascinated yeah. with what i seen when we drove through there and uh, all the different diversity yeah. in, in prairie. So how I changed from row crop farming, you know, to prairie was I kind of shared you the story about, you know, the, the trip of the pheasants and leaving my farm when I even no-tailed it, you know. They would leave at night and they were looking for cover and looking for prairie to overnight in and and uh so that kind of got me leaning more towards the prairie thing and then the wildlife thing and and what i could do to get them to come back and whether it's the pheasant or the bobwhite quail as paul was talking about and try to get those species back because there's nothing like hearing a bobwhite in the morning you know calling yeah you can't beat that sound and it's it's kind of a lost almost a lost thing now man yep well thank you so much guys for joining us that was fun
I hope you guys are looking forward to hearing it drop probably Wednesday because this is a Coffee Time Wednesday. Yeah, it's going to be on a Wednesday. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, something Corny said is that they enjoyed driving out through the prairie. If you want a chance to come out and check out our prairie, don't yes. forget, we got Prairie Appreciation Days coming up soon. If you want to know exactly when, follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and we will let you know. Until then, thanks for joining us.